Week four brings us some major division battles. Ravens, Steelers, Raiders, Broncos, and Titans, Texan headline the slate. But don't forget about Aaron Rodgers' annual assault on the Chicago Bears and the always abysmal battle for Ohio between the Bengals and the Browns. With all this familiarity, there's a lot of tape on the field that teams will be analyzing, so it'll be tough for players to get a huge amount of production. But who's going to rise above? You're about to find out. Let's run up the score. You're listening to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to Run Up the Score. It's Donald Wagonblast here with my brother Scott hey. and our friend Tom Hillier. Hey, everybody. Gentlemen, we are about to enter, uh, end the first quarter of the fantasy football season. How are we feeling about the season so far? It's too early to tell at this point for me. Um, middle in the pack in a lot of my leagues, and uh, it's a very long season. So to the people out there who are a little downtrodden, maybe 0-3, maybe seem like their team has no hope, there's always hope. And as long as you're willing to put in the work, you can still make the playoffs yet. I agree. I mean, uh, Don painted a little bit of a grim picture in this week's earlier episode. He was saying, like, oh, you need some of these guys if you're 0-3. Of course you need some of those guys. Of course right. you got to work hard. But um, I've been, even last year, 2-6, and six, one out the rest of the season, won the championship. So it's always possible. And you really just got to get around, what, 500? Yeah, that's really the the main point. You know, if you get to, if you're in a six a ten team league with six guys making the playoffs, or a twelve team league with eight guys making the playoffs, if as long as you're hovering around that five hundred mark, that six and seven type of mark, you're gonna make the playoffs most likely. So that's that's my goal typically going in: get the six and seven, get six wins, and then the playoffs. You know, get hot and hopefully win it all. And even if you suffer a tough loss, like I have a league where I tweeted out the picture, I'm last, right? And I have the second most points scored, but by far the most against i'm still gonna be in good shape when it gets to tie break season right in week 13 right you know the guys who are ahead of me now don't get too comfortable <laughs> so there's certainly a light at the end of the tunnel for these teams that might be looking a little bleak right now but they just need to avoid these players who we are about to shut it down shut down that's right john taffer shut it down is back for week four We're starting with the quarterback, so let's start with you, Tom. All right, I'm shutting down Smith. That's right, Geno Smith. If you've got him, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm shutting down Alex. Doesn't look like he's going to start this week, so you can't have him in your lineup. I'm shutting down Alex Smith. Um, The Washington Redskins defense, especially the defensive backfield, looked amazing last week, and I think we can all agree on that. Yep. They played in primetime, and what do they do again this week? play in prime time when you're that excited when you're that cohesive and you can carry it on to the next week to a quarterback who is not you know i don't think he's gonna throw three picks right right but i don't think he's gonna go out there and be a gunslinger keep that qb1 status smart enough to have learned his lesson by watching because you know he's watching tape he's doing all the alex smith things and he's not gonna put himself in a position to be exploited which not, which generally does not bode well for fantasy exceptionalism, right. I'd say. Which has been to temper expectations in the long run. That's kind of his MO. You know, right. this, is, this is the outlier we're seeing right now. So he's going to come back to... Uh, he's even been evening in, evening oh, in this yeah, play. Oh, yeah, but his... his uh, the allure about him is still fresh. I've had I've had him in, I have him in a league, and you, you're kind of selling me to bench him. But the one thing that I will say is that he uses his running backs and his tight ends well, so he might not necessarily have to test Josh Norman and Brashad Breeland as much as let's say an Oakland or someone like that would. It'll be interesting to see, though. I agree with you. I think that if he can't get Kelsey going because he did nothing last week, then Smith's really going to struggle. Yeah, one reception, one yard. Yeah, not very good. Nope. Scott, who are you shutting down at the quarterback position this week? Cam, shut him down. Taffer, shut him down. Um, he doesn't have Olsen, he doesn't have Kelvin Benjamin, and he doesn't have a right arm functioning that properly right now. Um, his his accuracy has just been 
horrendous. Uh, I just kind of see a lot of um, dump downs and the opening up of that uh, Christian McCaffrey playbook that we've all heard about the from the Panthers, Christ. right? <laughs> that we've heard about from the Panthers. And, and McCaffrey's um, good to go. Oh yeah, yeah, love McCaffrey this week. I think he's he's going to get the peppering that he got last week and. The, the linebackers and safeties are going to struggle with McCaffrey, but I just don't see a big day for Cam. I'm shutting down Matthew Stafford, um, and I'm not shutting him down in season long. I'm specifically shutting him down in daily fantasy. The Vikings defense looks to be for real. Xavier Rhodes looks to be every bit the shutdown corner that we think he's going to be. So I am really concerned about him. Not so much, you know, it's kind of along the lines of what Tom said. Is he going to go out there and throw three picks? No, I don't think so. Is he going to go out there and possibly only throw for 250 yards and a touchdown or two? Yes, and that's not the kind of quarterback production you want in your daily fantasy investment. You can get by with a performance like that from Stafford in your season long because that's pretty much where you drafted him. That's the production that you want out of him. So, you know, he's not going to get, he might not give you that QB1 level. So that's why I'm kind of avoiding him strictly in daily fantasy this week. Yeah, I was actually going to say something similar to that. I didn't know that you were going to put it to daily. Because I was going to say, if you're in a pretty crowded league, I wouldn't be like, oh, no, I can't start Matthew Stafford. But I agree that there are better options, maybe out there on the waiver wire still, because there's some guys we're going to talk about on the other end of the spectrum. But, yeah, I can see that the – the Vikings defense is legit. Yeah, his his numbers over the past couple of years against the Vikings, I was looking it up today. Um, they haven't been terrible, but like Don said, it's been like 250 and a touchdown or two and maybe a pick. So it's nothing to really be too excited about. And with Rhodes seeming like he's going to shadow Golden Tate, that's scary. And taking away uh, the Lions' best pass option, you know, that, that could spell trouble for Stafford. I yeah, agree. Yeah, we should basically just transition into wide receiver then because for me, it's Golden Tate. I am going to shut down Golden Tate this week. Um, he's expected to be shadowed by Xavier Rhodes, and we talked about it already, man. The list is growing of people that Xavier Rhodes has just shut down. Yep. And I really, really expect that, you know, Golden Tate's name gets added to the bottom of that list. We can almost call the wide receiver segment of this the Xavier Rhodes shutdown because we're going to put him in there. Like whoever he's guarding might get mentioned every single week. We it's, should be creative enough to try to avoid that in the future. <laughs> yeah, it's very possible, and it's such an easy one to go to. So I agree. I know. I not. Out. But I think that um, there's a lot more cornerbacks in the league right now that we're going to start to see that are we're going to start treating like Rhodes and Norman. There's great young corners out there. Like Ramsey has been lights out for the Jags um, and guys like that. So, you know, those are the guys who we're going to look to shut down. We're not going to try and shut down guys who you're not going to start. We want to sh- show you guys to shut down who you drafted high that, you know, you can't play. And Golden who Tate this week. touchdown last week. Right. Almost two. Golden Tate's one of those guys this week. I agree. Who's yours, Scott? My receiver? Yep. Shutting down T.Y. Hilton. After last week, I was big on him um, playing against the Browns and basically an all-or-nothing game for him, and he showed up with all. Um, I expect him to revert back to nothing this week going into (laughs) Seattle. Um, You know, I feel like last week was, in a weird way, a get-right game for the Seahawks offense. They kind of figured out how to move the ball a little bit, and I think that this week will be a get-right game for the Seahawks defense at home. Heavy dose of Chris Carson and Seattle pounding percent yeah they're gonna run chris carson a lot and they're just gonna have russell wilson take the snap and run for his life immediately because really he's usually he just waits for the pressure to come and then he runs for his life now he's just like all right i gotta get out of here as soon as possible but uh but yeah i do i do agree i think we've seen a lot of the seattle offense and this could be a get right game as you said for their defense as well my shut it down wide receiver is terrell Pryor. I think Marcus Peters is quietly having an equally impressive season. We were talking about this before we started recording, and Peters doesn't shadow. He plays a specific side of the field. Like Sherman. But the level of production that Terrell Pryor has produced gives me no confidence in starting him in any format of fantasy this week. He's done pretty much nothing. He's done close to nothing, yeah. And uh, it's pretty surprising to me. I really thought he was going to be a lot better, but... um, it's understandable that, that you'd shut him down. Uh, that My hope for Pryor is that they go into the bye week and like reassess what they're doing with him and hopefully find better ways to get him in space and get him open. But it does not seem like this is going to be a week where he's going to have a big game. And this is a Chiefs defense who had three interceptions against Phillip Rivers. Kirk can get a little wild with the ball. 
especially when he's in comeback mode. He's had some of those blow-up games. So I'm a little concerned about Kirk, too. He's not my shut-it-down quarterback, obviously, but you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned for the entire Washington offense this particular week. Yeah. After I said, go pick up Chris Thompson as your first waiver claim. <laughs> well, I agree with the Chris Thompson. I agree with mostly everything you said. I think that Terrell Pryor is more of like a guy that you want to hold on to right now because Kirk Cousins' coming out game was only last week, right? So maybe Terrell Pryor's is a couple weeks behind and you had a good investment in him. You don't want to sell him too low. I think he's a guy that if you were dying to trade him, you should at least wait for a game where he scores or something. But um, for me, if I had him, I don't even think I'd be looking to trade him. It's disappointing right now. I would be benching him because I don't want to take too many L's right off the bat. But I think they're brighter days ahead. All right, let's move now to running backs. Tom, who are you shutting down at the running back position? I am shutting down Mike Gillisley. Interesting. And yeah, the only the big reason here is that the types of running backs that have produced against the Patriots have not. Or sorry, the type of running back that has produced against Carolina. Right, because Gillis is on the Patriots. Yes, yeah. exactly. Is not the kind of running back that he is. So last week when they play uh, New Orleans, you see the only running back that scores was Alvin Kamara. Right. You know. When Shady played them, who's talented out of the backfield and just a talented runner in general, if you want to give Mike Gillisley that credit, he really didn't show up either. So Mike Gillisley, matchup-wise, stylistically, I don't think is a formula for success. Of course, he can make me eat my words for sure on a pass interference, right. and he gets the plunge at the one. But if you have other options, you are way better off – than waiting for plunges at the one every week. Right. You're better off with uh, playing matchups, and this is one where I don't see him having wild success. I agree. It looks like the, the Patriots' uh, passing attack, too, is just too good Too good for anybody at this point, too. Scotty, who are you shutting down at running back? I'm shutting down Isaiah Crowell. Um, he's been pretty bad. He's been basically shut downable to this point. He's been average at best. Um Duke Johnson's continuing to eat into his workload, and uh, he's not going to get the eight targets or twelve targets. I'm sorry that Ty Montgomery got last week, and Ty Montgomery was incredibly inefficient last week as the uh, Packers back against the the Bengals. And I expect a lot of the same. I expect him to basically get stuffed up and bottled up just like Ty Montgomery did. Yeah, it's it's upsetting because he was kind of like the little engine that could on the Browns last year like the Browns were terrible but he was still producing at a running back two value and so you know we were hoping to get the same thing from Corral this year it's just a different team and I think it, he's just not as important a piece to the Browns offense this year so far as he was last year yeah the rhetoric about the offensive line that was going to help him out has equally helped out Duke Johnson, and he was conveniently left out of that conversation is what I think it boils down to. Yeah, Everyone just said, oh, well, you know, the the Browns are going to be able to run the ball more and more and more, but they're able to pass block. They're able to, you know, they're still not winning. So it's not right. a game script uh, positive thing for Isaiah Crowell, and it is a game script positive thing and a, you know, just situation positive thing for Duke Johnson with the offensive line improvement as Definitely. well. Definitely. Absolutely. My shut it down is Marshawn Lynch. Now, I have, been, I have been on the record on this podcast, obviously, as a big-time Marshawn denier. Um, that's not what this is about, though, because he's had – the stat came out this week that he's had his snap percentage reduced in each of, in each of the last three weeks. So, right. you know, he was – got lower week two, lower week three. That wasn't hit because of his lack of play, though. Obviously, week two, they blew out the Jets. They, he had no reason to stay in that game. They let Richard and Deion and Dwayne Washington clean it up. And last week, they got away from him because they were down so big. And I think it was because they got away from him that that game got so ugly. So I do see them trying to involve him a little bit more than they have in the last two weeks this week. However, he plays Denver, right. who bottled up Shady very well, bottled up Zeke very well, and really only gave it up to Melvin Gordon week one in the passing game where Marshawn Lynch is a non-factor. Right. So he's got, he's you know, it's kind of like the same thing as Gillisley. You're pretty much hoping the Raiders get the ball down to the one and give him a carry if you're playing him, which if you're in a standard league, you paid a high price for him, you're probably still going to roll him out no matter what I say. But if you're in daily fantasy, 
that's not the kind of guy you want. You want a guy who you know is going to have not only volume, but production. Lynch is going to get the volume. I just don't think he's going to get the production that you that's worth your investment this week. Yeah, it's worth mentioning um, Latavius Murray last year on the Raiders, 195 rushing attempts. Yeah. So it's not strange. You know, this is the person that he was replacing. They still have um, the other two suitable running backs in uh, Washington and Richard. Right. So this is business as usual. He's an older gentleman. Yeah. And they're going to try to keep him healthy. Like in the Jets game, he's not going to get you all that garbage fun points because they need to keep him healthy. Right. And and along the lines of keeping him healthy, if he's just going to run into brick walls the entire time against Denver, who has seems like, you know, a lot of teams would be, you know, upset with the running back schedule that they've had with Zeke and Shady back to back. But it seems like the Broncos have figured out this formula to, that they can stop a running back now they struggled against the run pretty mightily last year but it seems like these two games are starting to build something as all right we can actually establish a run defense and i agree it spells trouble for marshawn and i think it spells trouble for offenses everywhere that play the broncos i agree i mean it really looks like in the offseason they made a conscious effort to make that change you heard us week one week two week three even denver can be run on i think now that has changed denver cannot be run on if people are still sticking to that 2016 story about denver you know just outsmart them time to move on yeah. time to move on it's things are changing let's move on now to tight ends i'm actually going to give my shut it down tight end first because it's really a team that we've already talked about my shut it down tight end is jack doyle and it's basically the same reason that ty hilton is a shut it down wide receiver the, the Colts are about to run into a buzzsaw with the Seattle defense in Seattle. I just don't see how anybody really produces that much. And that's pretty much it. So who would like to go next? I'll go. Um, I think this one might be a little surprising to you guys. I'm going to shut down Zach Ertz this week. And I know how good he's been. He's been the, the second highest scoring tight end uh, in half PPR format so far. But if you look at what the Chargers have done against tight ends... They've, they've been really, really good against them. Uh, Kelsey did nothing, and the tight ends that they had played before that, you know, Julius Thomas didn't do much of anything, and Virgil Green had, like, maybe a couple catches here and there. Um, you know, it's kind of, like, along the same lines, like that DFS line where, yeah, you're probably going to start Ertz. You, you pretty much don't have a choice if you have him because he's been so good, but... I'm not expecting more than like a four for 50 type of line, a, a pretty underwhelming line for what he's been doing this year. Tom? For me, it's Hunter Henry. Two goose eggs and a guy on the same team has a bit more consistency to him. Antonio Gates not blowing the roof off in, um, in numbers, but it's enough to make you wonder how long this is going to continue on. People want Hunter Henry to break the chains and be the number one tight end over there, but it's not so obvious. The week that Hunter Henry scored, so did Antonio Gates. The week that Hunter Henry did not score, the weeks that Hunter Henry did not score fantasy points at right, all, Right. week one and three, Antonio Gates did. So really he's not even the number one tight end on that team no. as it stands. This is kind of what I feared going into the year, that Gates was just going to continue to eat at his workload and eat at his workload, and it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to shake him, my, especially not this week. My major fear is that you're a Hunter Henry owner. I'm not, but that you're a Hunter Henry owner, and he has these sporadic games where he does score or he does and get— And you hold him you know, all season. And you hold him and you start him all season, and he's slowly tanking you. Yep. Well, hopefully these players don't tank you because we've now told you that you got to stay away from them. But let's now move to some players that we are, well, we're, we're feeling. I can feel it down in my plums. That's right. It's time to return to our plum picks for week one. Let's start with our quarterbacks. Uh, I think I'm going to go first on this one. I like going first for the shut it down tight ends. I'm going with Jared Goff because I think he's a nice, interesting investment in DFS, and I think that uh, I think he's an interesting play. The Cowboys just got torched by Arizona, an offense who's looked much worse than the Rams. So, you know, I think that the Rams with McVay's offense, I think this could be a really big prove it game. And you know, this this one really could blow up in my face, and they might really expose Goff here because Demarcus Lawrence in that Monday night game looked incredible. But it sure did all but, season so far, actually. Yeah, but I'm rolling with Goff here. I uh, think he's going to be an interesting play this week. I, I don't blame you. Um, the, the the Cowboys secondary is incredibly exploitable. 
and it seems like anybody can really step up. Jerron Brown was out there putting in some work, and, and Larry Fitz was really dominating. Uh, so, you know, I agree with you. I, I think Goff is is a very, very good starting option in a game that they'll probably be losing and kind of need to throw. This is my last Cooper Cup week with him on my roster. It's all or nothing right here? Um, yeah, I mean, just, you, you know. Yeah, it's it's almost that time, but once the mule gets you to this because, week, then because you'll Because this them. matchup is so good that it's like, okay, maybe he's going to show up and he is an option that I need to keep. And this matchup is so good that if he doesn't show up... It's time. It's time. Pour one out. This is like old yeller, yeah. It's like, don't look... Scotty, who are who's your who are you feeling at quarterback this week? Well, I'm going off the beaten path just like last week. Last week, I think I provided a pretty good deep gem, and I'm hopeful to be able to provide another one in Case Keenum this week. He had an incredible week last week, and you know a lot of people said that you know it was shocking and couldn't see it coming. That it was I his was best shocked week too. Ever. Someone said it was his best week ever, and he was wrong. In passing yards, it was. <laughs> in, yeah, the most passing yards ever. But anyway, he actually has played very well against the Bucks, no matter what team he's played on over the past three years. He's had three starts over them over the past three years, and he's had great numbers against them. Let's move forward to this week where let's move forward to this week where we talk about how the Vikings are improved from the Rams offense last year that he was in, obviously. And now let's go back to last year when Case Keenum threw three touchdowns and ran a touchdown in for that lowly Rams team against who you ask? The Detroit Lions. Another big week is coming for Case Keenum. Three total touchdowns. Fire them up in your DraftKings and your fan duels and get excited. So, is it 2016 or 2017? Now. I'm, right s- now I'm so confused. Right now it's 2017. Okay, thank you. Yes. Tom, who are you feeling at quarterback this week? <laughs> well, I'm living in 2025, and Tyrod Taylor's the reigning MVP. <laughs> Just kidding. But this week, I'm... Feeling Tyrod Taylor. He's probably available, and you can go ahead and plug him in. He is hes so underrated in fantasy, it's wild. I got to say this again in case not everyone listens to every single episode, but you get 40 rushing yards, right, which is pretty much what Tyrod averages. That is an additional touchdown or an additional 100 yards, depending how you look at it. They equal the same thing. In fantasy football. That's right. Not to mention, you get all his regular passing stats and his touchdowns, of which he has thrown quite a few so far this season. And the Atlanta Falcons are a team that gets involved in these barn burners, these high-scoring games, you know, and that is the exact kind of game you want the quarterbacks in. You want a lot of the fantasy assets in. Right. You know? So I think it's a great week for Tyrod Taylor if you've got – um, you know, maybe one of these shut it down guys that we're talking about. If you got Derek Carr and you're a little afraid, Tyrod Taylor, have no fear. He's gonna he's gonna get you the W this week. I like it. I mean, um, I think that they'll they'll be behind too. And when that pressure comes from the good the good defensive ends on Atlanta, Tyrod's gonna be able to peel out of the pocket and get you know he he might have more rush attempts this week than he'll have maybe all season, but. And that spells great for him as his fantasy value, no doubt. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he has to throw the ball 40 times or so, how he'll fare. Absolutely. So, Scott, let's move to running backs now. Who are you feeling at running back? I'm feeling Chris Carson this week. He looked awesome last week against what I think is a pretty good Tennessee defense. Um, showed pass-catching ability. Um, that was a big one that I was happy to see. Right, and then Procise goes down. He's not going to play this week. So Carson looks set up to absolutely feast, and he gets a cupcake matchup against Indy. I'm thinking at least one goal line plunge and you know close to 100 total yards on a big, big Chris Carson day. Absolutely, 100% agree. The uh, Procise news came down right before we recorded, and you know it kind of just bolstered your, your take on Carson, Scott, because he looks great. You know, he, the, the touchdown he had was receiving last week, so right. that's a great sign. And, you know, the guys behind him, Rawls and, you know, Eddie Lacy, they don't do what ProSize does. They're taking a guy off of their practice squad and, like, making him an active player just to put him in the ProSize role. But, like, how many snaps are they really going to give this guy? And if Carson's playing well, how many snaps are they really going to give Rawls? And I'm assuming Eddie Lacy's going to be in he- a healthy and active again. So 
this could easily turn into a Chris Carson backfield. I'm seeing upwards of an 80% snap share for him this week, and I don't think it, it's probably even going to be way higher than that. Yeah, he's probably a must in FanDuel and DraftKings. I haven't seen his price yet, right? but it, it's one of those situations where I bet he's he's undervalued. Absolutely. Yeah. Tom, let's go over to you. Um, I'm going to give you one for tonight's game because I'm speaking in the future as you listen to this Thursday morning. Can you guys please stop time traveling? I'm so confused. (laughs) All right, and it seems pretty obvious. I mean, he's been doing great, but he's not a guy that's probably broken your lineup every week, even if you claimed him after week one, and that's Tariq Cohen. So last week you see Jordan Howard, you know, rumble, right? And you might be a little afraid to start Tariq Cohen this week. But I'm back to my Tevin Coleman, Devonta Freeman comparison. I'm sticking with it. Those guys are electric together. But yep. the reason that I like Cohen a little bit more this week is it's a short week, a very short week from a very physical game. And Jordan Howard has got a little bit of a bum shoulder, right? And it, it, it's going to hurt him. That yes. hurts. This quick turnaround, you don't want to, if you value him as a – the offensive coordinator as the owner of the team or whatever. You don't want to get him hurt this early in the season to a degree which he cannot play. It's a bigger week coming for Tariq Cohen against a team that, you know, let's be honest, is not the most formidable defense. No. Agreed. So for me, it's a rivalry game. It's a it's a scratch and claw. It's that divisional matchup we were talking about yeah. in the in the cold open, and I think Tariq Cohen lock him in, especially in PPR. I love it, Tom. I think they definitely are going to have Jordan Howard on some sort of a pitch count, and if when he gets to that pitch count, they're going to see how's he doing, and if they, if not, they pull him back in a little bit. But also keep in mind, you know, Aaron Rodgers at home against Lambeau torches the Bears consistently, like shreds them. You know, we, like I posted a GIF a couple of weeks ago. Jay Cutler was like biting his fingernails. It was 35 nothing with six minutes left in the second quarter. like, And it was in Lambeau. So, like, you know, like, this is a game that Aaron Rodgers loves. The Bears could be down, and if they're down, they're going to be throwing. And if they're throwing, the only guy they've had success throwing to on the Bears this year is Tariq Cohen. So, you know, from all angles, this looks like he looks like a great play this week. Definitely got to go with him uh, where you have him, season-long, daily, whatever. I'm going with Joe Mixon. I think it was a good play last week if you, you know, the report came out Sunday that the Bengals switched offensive coordinators and they were looking to get Mixon more involved. And he rewarded them with his best game, the most productive game of any running back on the Bengals offense this year so far. He had 20 touches to Giovanni Bernard's eight and Jeremy Hill's five. This week they get the Browns. Two plus two is four. I mean, this is going to be, I think he's going to get a big a big share of the workload. I think he gets into the end zone. I'm all in on Joe Mixon this week. I think he's probably going to score too, but the biggest deterrent for him is A.J. Green catching 50-yard touchdowns against the Browns. So he may not get close enough to the end zone, but I do think that Joe Mixon is going to have such a such a big volume and against such a bad team. Um, I think he'll do great. I really, really like the way that he ran. I didn't realize that he had that, like, Le'Veon type of style to his runs. He was patient. Yeah, and I, I didn't I didn't realize that. And if I did, I think I probably would have rated him a lot higher in the in the rankings. I uh, this is the first week in where in a league where I own him that I am actually starting him and I'm starting him confidently. Don, I love it. I love all three of these running backs. Yeah, honestly. All righty, let's swing it now to the wide receivers. Tom, who are you feeling this week at wide receiver? I'm feeling. All right, let me let me set the stage. I won't I won't spoil the uh, the goodness right away. All right, so who torched the Dallas Cowboys two weeks ago? Emmanuel Sanders. Yep. Who torched them last week? Larry, Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. If you combine those two individuals, what might they look like? Sammy Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> Size and speed and Size, long hair. Speed, dreadlocks. <laughs> it's the perfect combination. A number in the teens. <laughs> but really. Wait. He's 12. I was going to say, I was going to try to bring out the number thing, but I don't have the wherewithal right now. <laughs> Sammy Watkins, all jokes aside, I mean, he is primed. If he does even a third of what he did last week, you'd be happy that you started him. And he has a matchup that looks like he could do three times what he did last week, the way Larry Fitzgerald did that to the poor Dallas Cowboys. And to be clear, I'm not advocating he's going to get six touchdowns. Right. I'm being a little bit 
you know, I'm trying to pump you up for Sammy Watkins, and you should be rightfully pumped up. It's a great matchup. Cooper Cup, like I mentioned, has not really been all that involved, and Robert Woods is not prolific like Sammy Watkins is. He looks healthy, and that's the major thing that I – that's all that's ever worked against him. Maybe a, maybe a nice um, golf Watkins stack in your, uh, in your dailies based off our uh, pump picks will do you pretty good. I've got your number connection, by the way. Emmanuel Sanders, 10. Larry Fitzgerald, 11. Sammy Watkins, 12. It's ascending for the guys <laughs> that torch the Cowboys. Wow. Scott, who are you feeling at wide receiver? Off. <laughs> I'm feeling DeAndre Hopkins, and I know that he's, you know, you're starting him every week, but I think that he's going to be the highest scoring receiver in the league this week. In his eight career games against the Titans, he's caught 48 passes for 823 yards and five touchdowns. How many games? Eight. That's, that's still awesome. That's it's, six catches for 100 yards and a, more than a half of a touchdown average. Right, and if you look into those games one by one, obviously that's what he averages out to. Some of those games are absolute explosions, like nine for 202, like just awesome games. The Titans' pass defense, you could ask Russell Wilson, who just got right against them last week, is completely exploitable. Deshaun Watson comes home for his first home start of the season, and I think he hits up Hopkins not once but twice in the end zone, and he has a monster game. Wow. From a guy that Scott thinks is going to get hooked up twice to a guy who's been hooked up twice already this season, I'm going with Chris Hogan. And this is more of a reminder, just play every Patriots pass catcher because the the role Brady's on right now these past couple weeks is un. Believable. He looks to be unstoppable. I had to remind myself today that Tom Brady's 40 years old. He's just, it's nuts what he's doing right now. And, yeah. And, you know, I'm like, I, I think Hogan is an every week flex guy for sure. And, you know, where you got him after the Edelman injury, he's probably turning in some serious dividends for you. Absolutely. I mean, I can't say it enough. The, it, it's the exact same thing that you said. The Patriots pass catchers, they all have value. Yeah. Ride the wave. All right, let's wrap it up. Who are we feeling at tight end, Scott? I'm feeling Austin Safarian Jenkins. The so, bad boy. The bad boy. Someone who, you know, our this podcast has really not been a huge supporter of over the years. We loved Cameron Brait, you know, while he was battling with Safarian Jenkins. But apparently Safarian Jenkins is clean. He comes back last week, catches all five of his targets, and kind of building off of the plum pick that um, I had last week, the exploitable matchup in the Jags pass game, in the pe- Jags pass defense, is through the tight end. Ben Watson scored a junk touchdown last week, but he did score, and the tight ends have done very well against them in general. I expect a big game from Austin's Ferry and Jenkins, and I think he scores maybe the lone touchdown for the Jets this week. I like it. Uh, Jen- Josh McCown threw 21 passes against the Dolphins, and he targeted Safari and Jenkins on those five that you said. That's 25% of his throws. Right. That's a lot, I think. It's a lot. And I think it will continue to increase. That was only really his first week, yeah. and now McCown gets to build on that rapport. McCown has always been a, a tight end lover, really, throughout his career. I've he made always, the barnyard dog a household I've always name. focused on the tight end on his team that he's throwing to as a guy that you can exploit, and, and Safarian Jenkins is the most exploitable in DFS. He's going to be as cheap as they come. Tom, how are you feeling about tight end this week? Well, I like what Scott said. You guys, uh, you guys put that one together nicely. Touche. Nice. <laughs> I like uh, Cameron Brait. So he kind of got majorly disrespected by his week one bye. You know how they had to reschedule the game and all? Right. So after week one, when you're making ad drop decisions, who do you drop? The guy who didn't play. Backup no points. tight end who didn't even play. You know what I mean? He's available. And he should have been drafted higher in every single league. He scored last week. He made some amazing plays. He's a very trusty receiver. He's very sure-handed. He's a smart guy. He went to Harvard. <laughs> and he's wicked smart. He's wicked smart. <laughs> and the Giants have let up a touchdown to the tight end the last two weeks. And when Jameis is throwing to him, he feels like he's throwing it in a habit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I love Cameron Bray. I'm, I'm going parking to- my car. <laughs> In the Cameron Bray lane. We got to go to Fenway, watch his Sox win a pennant. <laughs> hey, guys, it's Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> we might have to cut this. No, no, no. <laughs> My plum pick tight end is Jesse James. The, the Ravens. Yeah. The Jaguars have, have allowed, or sorry, the Ravens have allowed four touchdowns to tight ends. 
Three of them are Mercedes Lewis. Three of them are Mercedes Lewis. One to a rookie, David Njoku. If there's a weak spot, I think you know the Steelers like to exploit that. We saw it happen with the Browns with Jesse James getting two touchdowns against the Browns. I don't know that I can guarantee you that he's going to get that, but he definitely could get some more looks than he's been getting the last couple of weeks against the Ravens, who now all of a sudden have a defense that looks very vulnerable. Yeah, and he's huge. So that's his biggest um, benefactor, I think, and just his in his gameplay. Right. Because, you know, Antonio Brown, not gigantic. Uh, Martavis Bryant, pretty gigantic, but seldomly used in so the far. red zone in the red zone sure. yeah. yeah so we're, we're seeing a little bit more jesse james in that area but um to me don i hate to be so contrarian i almost shut him down because the, the the ravens historically are pretty good against the tight end and i was going to warn against the apparition that was mercedes lewis so we'll see what comes of it but um you know he's huge like i said so yeah. you can snag one yeah, absolutely all right, let's move on now. Let's just run through the slate real quick. Uh, starting with the Thursday game, we covered Bears-Packers pretty much at nauseum. You're starting well, your Packers pass catchers. I still have plenty of confidence in Ty Montgomery. Tariq Cohen, the lone bear. Randall Cobb will be playing. Yes. I, I think Howard deserves a start, too. Absolutely. And I'm not starting Martellus Bennett. I think um, – I agree right there. I think Jordan Howard does deserve a start. I know I was talking him down, but like he's still a hard runner. He's still going to be involved – um, and then Martellus Bennett has been pretty sketchy. I almost shut him down, actually, because they have three tight ends that are getting the ball in their yep. offense. Lance Kendricks, uh, Richard Rodgers, and Martellus Bennett, who has been eating popcorn before every game. Yes, he has. It's, I, you, you just think he got, it, he got it figured out with Brady. I can't figure out why he wouldn't get it figured out with Rodgers, but exactly. We've got another game across the pond, Saints at the Dolphins. At London. Should we do some accents? At 9.30. No. No, I think we've done enough accents for today, Tom. Um, this should be a pretty interesting offensive game. Uh, so I'm not starting either team defense. But, um, you know, I like, I, like I said, I like Cutler this week. I know it's going to be tough for people to go back to the well after the stinker he put up against the Jets. But I like him. I love Devontae Parker this week. He showed me a lot in that last uh, quarter against the Jets. And for the Saints, I mean, if you're going to roll out a Saint, I'd roll out a Saint because the pass defense of the Dolphins does not look very good right now. Yeah, start everyone in this game, pretty much. If you have to start Cutler, I get it, but geez. Hopefully he learned from the last two weeks compared to each other, which Cutler learning, not a lock. No. But he succeeded way more when he was game manager Cutler, 15 targets to Landry, than when he was doing whatever it was he was doing last week yeah I, I think you you start your guys in this game and you and you bank on the sloppiness and hope for some kind of long broken plays um I also kind of like Kenny Stills as a deep guy in a revenge game against the Saints I, was I say love revenge game if you I love doing I love playing guys against the team that they used to play on so just someone that I, I've been thinking about I like that too one more thing JJ I didn't practice on Wednesday but he is slated to play there's really no issue with whether or not he'll play Let's move on now. Panthers at Patriots. New England kind of vulnerable at home based on their last two results, but those were against two offenses that looked like they are capable of scoring multiple touchdowns in a game, which the Panthers haven't done yet, except for against uh, the lowly 49ers. So I think we're all expecting a pretty high-scoring affair and a pretty one-sided affair in this game. Yeah, I think the Patriots are as close to a lock as it gets this week in a weird way. Um, that doesn't mean that the Panthers can't play well or compete, you know? Yeah. But I just think there's no way Cam is ready to take down Tom Brady this week. The wheels are rolling in New England right now. You know, um, for for the Panthers, I would definitely start McCaffrey. Like we said, I think he's just going to get so much volume. And if you're in a deep bind, I could see Funchess as a starter just for target volume. And I could see Stewart. Um the, the Patriots have not been great against the running back position as a whole. And, you know, those one-yard plunges, if you're in that area, if you if you need a one-yard plunge, you're in a standard league, it's crowded, you could do way Gotta worse Got to think Jonathan that the uh, Panthers are going to try to control some, control some clock, too, to at least make it so Cam doesn't have to try and score 40. All right. Or throw too much. Yeah. In this week's What on Earth Did We Do to Deserve This Game, the Jags are going to New York to play the Jets. Stop um, talking trash on the Jets. They won. Okay. <laughs> One in 15. There we go. Um, 
Jags defense looked pretty good. I think that they're for real. They're the defense I'm streaming this week where I got them on the waiver wire. Um, you know, I love Fournette this week. I think he's going to be a good, uh, good clock controller for this week. I think he gets a lot of touches. Yeah, I think Fournette's going to have have a, himself a nice week. Uh, I don't hate Marquise Lee or Alan Hearns either if, if you need to start them. Kind of, I mean, Lee probably not in a bind. Hearns probably if you're more in a bind. I, I don't mind starting Hearns. Um, for the Jets, you know, obviously I like Safarian Jenkins. And with the ruling of Forte battling um, that foot injury, it doesn't turf seem toe. like... Yeah, turf toe, it doesn't seem like he's going to play. So if you really need someone, it seems like Bilal Powell could be in for a heavy workload. Absolutely. I mean, when Bilal Powell was the only guy getting the ball, he was more productive than he was when he's sharing it. Right. Um, it took him till sort of the second half of the season. Maybe we're just seeing him get the wheels going. And the Jets, like I mentioned last week... You know they had that major running back shift last year. It was they didn't mind. Right. You know they were giving the ball mostly to Forte. Then it was kind of mixed up, and then it was Powell. So they're open to it. They, right. Either one can do it, and it's Powell's turn right now. All right. Titans at Texans. Deshaun Watson looked way better than anybody expected against the Patriots. He now gets the Titans defense, who looked very good at the beginning of the game against the Seahawks, but then Russell Wilson kind of awoke and put up a few more points than it looked like they were going to last week. I think this could be a wildly entertaining game, even if it's only played in the 20s, which, you know, these two teams kind of classically end up both in the 20s. Like a 27-24 result, I think, is what we're in store for here, which means that I think Mariota and Deshaun Watson will both be playing pretty well. Yeah, I think it it could be a a little lower than that, but I agree with you. It's going to be in that 20 range. I love Deshaun Watson, and I'm perfectly fine with you starting him this week. Uh, just that that running and throwing capability for him is just so dynamic. And, you know, obviously I'm a huge believer in Hopkins this week. So I think that if Watson just locks on to him, he's going to have himself a very good week. What are you guys doing with the Miller situation? I here? almost had Lamar Miller as my shut-it-down running back this week, so I'll let you interpret that. However you want. I had him on my shut it down running back list as well. Um, it's there. It's starting to get like I said in that bold prediction that I made. It's starting to get too close to that sixty forty split. So once it hits that, a Lamar Miller's value goes away, and it seems like Deontay Foreman is the bigger back who may be finishing on the goal line as well. The yeah. volume that made Lamar Miller in every week running back two last year is no longer there. I can I bring up a trade I did? Sure. All right, so in a 12-man, very crowded, running back, none are available ever league, even before they get the ball. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I traded David Johnson, who is dead, and Rashard Higgins for uh, Deonta Foreman and Alan Hearns. I like it. Wow. Hearns will David help Johnson. Right Gone. Wow, that's so sad that you had to do that. Four teams make the playoffs, but yeah, so you gotta make the show. There's a chance the guy that you traded him to could cut Johnson if he gets in a bind. Absolutely. So I don't hate it. You know, I mean, I think that's the question that everybody's asking: is what am I going to do with David Johnson while he's hurt? He's an interesting trade piece, but you know, I can see you know certain fantasy players saying I can't trade for a guy who I'm not going to have until week 10. I think it was a smart move time. And also harboring Eifert on the bench, you know, it's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a tough league. So to get someone who can actually come in and produce at a high level, you know, should be worth its weight in gold. I have Chris Johnson right now. It's killing me, but hopefully against the 49ers he can get something going which yeah. we'll talk about soon, I'm sure. Yep. Have I derailed this pre- game preview enough? Which one are we talking about? No, we're Texans, uh, we didn't cover the opposing team. The Titans. Yeah, but we didn't cover them is what I'm saying. Yeah, um, Don did briefly. Um, Mariota should have a pretty good game. I agree. Um, I think it's Murray's week, right, because now Henry's questionable. So I guess that means everyone will start Murray, and then Henry will have a good game, and we'll all be wondering, you know, what's going on with the Titans' backfield. Um, Not the best Delaney Walker week. Agreed. The Texans are a good team against the tight end. He's also day-to-day as well. Uh, You know who I like this week? Rashard Matthews. Yeah. Corey they Davis got beautiful touchdown last week. Yeah, yeah, great touchdown. And he just continues to show how consistent a receiver that he is for Mariota. And the Titan, or I'm sorry, the Texans defense got exposed over the middle of the field by Hogan. And that's typically where your slot receiver, Rashard Matthews, is going to be running his routes. So I think he's going to have a very solid week. All right, let's move to the big one Steelers Ravens. 
The Ravens' offense could not be looking any worse going into this game. The Steelers' offense looks like they're trending in the right direction. Ravens' defense obviously got torched, but I think that a lot of that was because of the offense's inefficiency last week. Um, I could see this going either way. It's all, This game's always close, so I can't even really predict it. So I'm just going to say it's going to be close. I'm avoiding the Ravens, especially their backfield, and I love Le'Veon and Antonio Brown. Yeah, this game always seems like they always hype it up and then it's like always a stinker i feel like it's never really like this high scoring you know very exciting game it's typically like a knockdown drag out type of fight a long and, pi derails know, the game i think Antonio that, brown got like 75 percent of his points last year in like the fourth quarter in this game right yeah on that one dive across the uh well, i think even right? in the time they played them before right divisional yeah so like, they did a great job of bottling him up which makes me think maybe martavis has some openings maybe don's plum pick jesse james has some more openings but i expect an i expect an ugly one you're gonna start Le'Veon and you're gonna start brown you have you don't really have much of a choice if you're in a bind i'm okay with you starting martavis but there's one raven i'm starting this week and it's justin tucker yeah yeah that's that's the one guarantee you can have there's gonna be it's gonna be a field position battle you know kick your field goals when you can it's just always seems like that's how this game goes uh, that's a really good point, Scott. I the- do want to bring up that I don't think it's a Ben Roethlisberger game. Agreed. Away, divisional, ri- divisional rival. There's better quarterbacks out there. Some of the guys we mentioned, I would definitely slot in front of Ben Roethlisberger. Agreed. All right, to the other AFC North battle, Bengals and the Browns. I think through week four, every single team in the AFC North has played each other. Hashtag stats. Um, you know, I said I think this is a big Joe Mixon week. This is a great Andy Dalton week, as Tom mentioned in the Week 3 recap. Um, you know, I think it's a great uh, A.J. Green week. To, um, John Ross, not exactly healthy. Not sure if he's going to play. Not sure you would play him even if he was. Um, A.J. Green is going to do battle with DeAndre Hopkins, I think, this week for the highest scoring receiver. I, I expect him to have another monster against them, which makes, in my opinion... Like AJ Green is going to be so good this week that Andy Dalton is going to be startable because he's just going to be able to find him and get a piggyback on AJ Green's greatness. I think Mixon is another great uh, start as well um, for the Browns. I like I like Duke Johnson. I, I, I was going to say I was that was my next question: Is Duke Johnson the only Brown you're willing to start right now? Yeah, it, it's it's the target share between Britt and Higgins. Like Higgins got 11 one week. Britt gets 10 the next week. It's kind of hard to tell right now, so I would wait and see on that. Obviously, I already shut down Crowell. So for me, it's you know Duke Johnson in a game that they're probably going to be losing. He's going to see a lot of snaps, and he's been good. All and right. I do want to mention, once again, Tyler Croft. Um, I've said it a million times. Going against the Browns as a tight end, all you need is a heartbeat. And he was targeted last week. He had a few catches. I think you can definitely play him in DraftKings. He's going to be like cheaper. This pr- cheap. this this will be the week to prove your case that you can start anybody with a heartbeat the, against them. The proof is already out there from last year. <laughs> That's all I got to say. All right, an NFC North battle now. Lions Vikings. We think this game is going to be very exciting. Again, kind of similar to Ravens Steelers. Might not be as high scoring as you'd want but certainly interesting, and your fantasy-relevant players are certainly going to get some production. Um, I like Dalvin Cook this game. We obviously mentioned Scott's love for Case Keenum. Stafford might be a shut-it-down candidate, but you know it's going to be an easy product. It's going to be a good production week for pretty much everybody in this game, just maybe not as high as you would have wanted. Yeah, I think it's it could be along the, the lines of the Titans-Texans uh, game where it's going to be like in that 20-point range. Um you know, I'm big on Keenum, so I, I like everybody in that Vikings offense. I think that if you need to, you can even put Kyle Rudolph back out there. I know he struggled with Keenum, but uh, the Lions haven't been incredible against tight ends this year. So I think you could fire Rudolph back up. Um, flipping over to Detroit, I you know, I'm still saying that I'm confident with Stafford. Um, I think that he'll still be good enough because the Vikings' run defense is really good too. So... It's not like Abdullah is going to be doing much, I don't think, to prevent them from throwing a lot. And when Stafford has a lot of volume, it typically doesn't lead to him, you know, imploding like a, like a Philip Rivers would. It normally means he kind of gets better as the game goes on. Yeah. So, like I mentioned with Golden Tate, you know, he's going to see a lot of Xavier Rhodes, but 
that spells well for Marvin Jones, for Kenny Galladay, for even Eric Ebron. I think Eric Ebron might be a sneaky play because you mentioned the front of the Vikings defense is very good. The back of the Vikings defense is very good. And it's not like the middle is full of jokers, but that's where the, you know, that's the spot to exploit. So Eric Ebron off a couple good games, you know, I could see it. The second receiver has had good success against the uh, Vikings defense as well. Yes, and I think that actually spells well, sorry, Don, for Kenny Galladay more than Marvin Jones. Even though Marvin Jones has that good speed, you see Kenny Galladay get that sprawling touchdown in week one, I believe that was. Yep. And then, you know, they're throwing him the ball deep. And they throw the ball deep to Marvin Jones too, but the deep guys have beat them. Deshaun Jackson called it. (laughs) Uh, Davis Bryant. You know, so... There's room for one, if not both, of those guys to succeed. Um, one more thing. The Vikings have not yet ruled out Sam Bradford playing. You know, at this point last week, we pretty much knew he wasn't going to play. He didn't practice Wednesday, but that was the plan all along. They're going to try and get him into practice and possibly onto the field on Sunday, which would unfortunately derail Case Keenum's glory run. They can't uh, so sit I'm, him. I'm rooting against that. They got to sit Bradford. It's the Keenum time, too good. baby. It's too good. <laughs> all right, moving on now to the Rams and the Cowboys. I love Jared Goff this week. I don't think there's anything. Um, first of all, I thought Dak played incredibly well on Monday night. Big bounce back game for him. Not that he no, really he was figured it. out. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, the rushing touchdown he had was fantastic as well. Hated He's awesome. it as a Zeke owner. <laughs> I think um, you'll be happy as a Zeke owner this, this week. week. For I think sure. I think this is a big Zeke week. Um, cool with you starting Dak. Um, skepticism towards Dez that I have every week. You know, I think that he even got a little lucky with that touchdown that they gave him last week. He on wasn't one. In. It didn't really seem like he was in. As a Zeke owner, also pissed about that. <laughs> and I'll, I'll try um, I'll try Witten again just because he was so good the first two weeks. I think last week was just a bit of a weird week. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just sad I don't have Dak. Yeah. Yeah, he looks so good. He was so fun to watch on Monday night. All right, Bills-Falcons. Falcons have not been in an unexciting game all year, so I think that trend continues. They're at home, so I think you know I think it's going to be a pretty easy win for them. But I don't think that's going to scare me away from Tyrod being able to put up some points. I think this could be a big shady week too. This is one of those start everyone games to me. I mean, I can't imagine sitting uh, shady. I can't imagine sitting Tevin Coleman, especially in PPR type formats. Right. I can't imagine sitting Devonta Freeman. Ever, Ever, yeah, you know, uh, Matt Ryan, throw him out there. Even though the Bear, uh, the Bills defense did look pretty good, Tyrod, I already said, throw him out there. Um, Charles Clay, Austin Hooper, I'd give Austin Hooper a chance if he needed to this week, just because I think the scoring is going to be a plenty. I mean, even even in my notes, I wrote uh, Jordan Matthews maybe as a daily fantasy guy. Just that's a nice one, Scotty. You know, he's going to be cheap and. Uh, you know, it just seems like it's going to be high scoring. So, so maybe Jordan Matthews could be a good daily fantasy play this week. All righty, I like that. Eagles Chargers in LA. Uh, there were more. Who did the Chargers play last week? There were more Kansas City fans than Chargers fans. Or no, sorry, uh, I think it was week two. Uh, no, it was Kansas City though. But there right, may but have they been... said that there were more uh, Dolphins fans in San- in Los Angeles than Chargers fans, which I thought was funny. So... Dolphins fans travel well. They showed up at the uh, Meadowlands this weekend. Yeah, as well. they do travel well. Interesting. You wouldn't think, you wouldn't expect it, but anyway, um, Eagles Chargers. They swim up the coast. Offensive game, offensive minded game. Neither defense looking like it's a shutdown defense right now. I uh, like Carson Wentz this week. Um, you know, for the Chargers, Melvin Gordon was limited in practice Wednesday, gearing up to play. I think he's going to be fine as long as he continues to practice. So that's just something to monitor. Uh, this game is a four o'clock game, so you're going to have to have another option later in the day on Sunday, just in case. I would stash Brandon Oliver. Yeah. I think that that's the best bet. If if you have Melvin Gordon, um, act quickly before someone else grabs him to, to try to annoy you. Um, but definitely have Oliver because then you're going to be set either way. Oliver will get enough volume for you to survive a Melvin Gordon scare. Um, I really like Keenan Allen this week. Odell put on a clinic against... Uh, against the Eagles defensive backs, and I'm not calling Keenan Allen Odell Beckham by any stretch of the imagination, but he's still a pretty darn good receiver. And he's been getting targeted in the red yeah. zone, even against the Broncos. So, And successfully, might I add, against the Broncos. So I like him a lot. Um, Tyrell Williams starting to fade him a little bit. I still think he's a true talent, but um, he's bench and maybe cut-worthy right now if you've got a better option it's out there. It's getting there, right? It's getting there. If, it, if you're in a league where you know people just leave some studs out there on the waiver wire – 
you know, replace Tyrell Williams with a stud. If you're in a league where it's, you know, grinding, yeah. keep him because, you know, he is a talented player. I kind of like some of the deeper receivers in Travis this Benjamin. matchup. Travis Benjamin, I, I like. I like Nelson Aguilar, too. All right. Niners, Cardinals. Oh, wait. Sorry. I've done that to you like three times, but we should talk <laughs> um, Wendell Smallwood, LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, there's a... That whole situation. There's a situation to speak on. Yeah. I think Wendell Smallwood is clearly going to see an uptick with the uh, missing piece in Darren Sproles. I don't think it affects LeGarrette Blunt too much. I just think he has a better chance of being on the field for longer if he strings some good runs together and he gets that nice rhythm going. And goal line, he owns. Agreed. All right. Niners-Cardinals, attempt number two. Uh, this is a scary Pierre Garcon week if he gets Patrick Peterson. Uh, Des Bryant was not targeted on Monday night when Patrick Peterson was covering him. Therefore, he ends up with only two catches for 12 yards and that lucky touchdown, if we're going to call it that. Um, I think this is a good week for the Cardinals passing offense. I think we're in for another big Larry Fitzgerald week, and what a week, what a Monday night he had as well. Um, so this, this game should be interesting, and there's nothing that scares me off of Carlos Hyde either. No, Carlos Hyde gets too much volume, and and he just looked really strong last week. Uh, You know, I agree there's got to be some skepticism around Garcon, but I think he really proved a lot with his showing last week. And, you know, Tremaine Johnson's no slouch either, and he had himself a good week. So if you you need him, I'm okay with you starting Garcon. Uh, As far as the uh, Cardinals go... I mean, I'd fire up Carson, I think, if I needed him. Uh, he's, he should have a good matchup against the 49ers, who really struggled against Goff last week, and, and Larry Fitz is the best. If this gets high scoring, you might even see my boy Hoyer put up 25-plus again for the second time this season. It could be possible. But um, if I'm in standard, I'm playing Chris Johnson if I have to, and if I'm in you know DraftKings, FanDuel, or any PPR formats, I think Andre Ellington's worth a look this That's week. That's a good call. Because the 49ers are just so weak to the position. And in my estimation, even though they said Chris Johnson's going to be the starter this week, Andre Ellington looked better to me, and um, he gets those points per reception and right. keep you afloat if uh, Chris Johnson falters again. All righty. Giants-Bucks. This one could get interesting because, you know, the Bucks got caught by the Vikings last week, and now they get a desperate Giants team. This could get really interesting. Um, you know, for the Giants, Odell pretty much the only startable option i'm still rolling out evan engram just because you know i've liked what he's given me so far in i the think league. i think he's startable too yeah. evan engram based off of how he's performed up to this point in the season he's been actually one of the more consistent performers at the tight end position and how many are just disappointing yeah uh for the bucks mike evans might get the jackrabbit but he did turn in an okay performance against xavier rhodes like we said in the recap you can't really bench the guy because no. you just like like I, like I said in week two in week two's preview, all it takes is that one throw from Jameis on the goal line that he hauls in that nobody else can, and he's you know put together a great week already. So you know, not pumping the brakes. However, this is Jaquiz Rogers' last chance to really take a stranglehold of the running back position for the Bucks because if not, Doug Martin's uh, suspension ends next week, and he's going to get some volume if. They feel like they're not getting what they need out of Jaquiz Rogers. Jaquiz's yards per carry just it just doesn't really seem like it's there, and it may not be his fault. You know, it may be more of a product of the offensive line, but he also, results he are some, results. He has some tough matchups to try to win the job, and right, that short you know, but you know that that all works against him, unfortunately. And I think that Doug Martin coming back fresh, and for what it's worth, he looked pretty good in the preseason when he played. I think it's I think. I think you benched your quiz this week, and then you might end up dropping him next. I think, yeah, you, you probably would wind up dropping him down the road. Um, I don't know if I – I know this is probably for next week, but I don't know if I would be starting Doug Martin right away. So if you've got another running back to spell that, maybe mix in whatever, try to keep that on your roster. It's I don't want to get too far ahead, but it it is a short week. Um, the Bucks are going to be playing New England on a short week, so it could actually kind of be a good week to get Doug Martin a lot of reps because he'll be really fresh while the other team's a little dinged up. Pretty smart there, Scott. I did not look ahead. <laughs> Raiders-Broncos in mile high in the no-fly zone. We all think this is going to be another tough matchup for the Raiders offense, but and I never thought I'd be saying this this season, but this is a great week for Trevor Simeon to bounce back into QB1 form. Yeah, so it sure is. So just uh, ask Kirk Cousins; he just had himself a bounce back against him. Absolutely, this Raiders offense can be thrown on; they can be run on. 
you know, it's looking a little dire here for Oakland if they lose this one and if they lose it in embarrassing fashion as they did on Sunday night. I have, I'm benching Michael Crabtree, or no, sorry, I'm benching Amari Cooper where I have him. Michael Crabtree, I think, maybe even more benchable. He's dealing with say. a chest injury. He did practice Wednesday. He looks like he's going to be okay to play, but with Tlaib and with Chris Harris and Bradley Roby, I just think it's going to be a really tough game for this passing and rushing offense in Oakland. It's been a great beginning of the season for those guys, but you know this is what you knew you were getting into when you draft people in that division. There's going to be these tough matchups where you're going to pretty much be forced to sit them, especially with the added injury concerns to Michael Crabtree. Trevor Simeon, worth noting, you know he went off at home, and guess where he's back? At home. So right now the only stats along the season are that he can't play in Buffalo and he can shoot right. the lights out in Denver. He can't go across country and play a, a one o'clock East Coast game. You know, a lot of team, yeah, yeah. a lot of guys kind of struggle with that. Um, I was trying to dig to, you know, not to bury my boy Crabtree because you guys know I do love him, but I was trying to find the stat. I'm gonna have to uh, go off the top of my head, but his averages since he came to Oakland playing against Denver, he gets like seven targets for like three and a three and a half to four catches on average and 40 yards. So he hasn't put up anything to make you believe that he's startable at 100%. So you can't start him while he's dinged up as good as he is. Unless he's seeking vengeance for his ripped gold chain from last season. <laughs> I hope he got a new one. I'm sure he has. I'm sure he can afford it. Um, in this week's edition of Why on Earth is this team on primetime, the Colts go to Seattle to play the Seahawks. So good news for all of us. We can get a good night's sleep on Sunday night to start our work week on Monday because this game is going to be over at halftime. Yeah, sure. Worth noting, Andrew Luck <laughs> didn't practice today, and he doesn't intend to practice this week at all. So right. we got teased on that one. Sure did. Um, it's going to be more – you know, we talked about this game in a good – or to a good degree. The Colts, not very startable this week. Frank Gore, I don't even no, know. No, thanks. No, thanks. I agree. Um, the Seahawks, probably very startable. Doug Baldwin is healthy. He had the MRI. No damage. Good to hear. Um, he, Didn't practice Wednesday, but the plan is for him to play Sunday night. He's in a really tough spot with that Sunday night game because most of the receivers on Indianapolis you probably wouldn't want to play, and Washington and Kansas City's receivers – are probably all the all the noteworthy ones are going to be owned already. Right. So you're basically hoping you can get Paul Richardson to slot yeah. him in if Doug Baldwin doesn't play it. Other than that, you know you're in trouble. I'm not really nervous about it. I think he'll play. Um, even in crowded leagues, I'm not, you know, dropping someone who I consider a good asset for Paul Richardson just yet. Right. You can you can kind of wait that out a little bit, and I agree with you. I think he could, but. I think Paul Richardson could even have some value this week Absolutely. as a as a possible DFS guy too. And as we said, bench your Colts. Um, um, Jimmy my- Graham, good week last week despite our best efforts. Um, I'm happy to see him do well, and I'm happy to see him healthy enough to play as it is. I just wish he was still with New Orleans. The Monday night game, Washington going to Arrowhead to play against the Chiefs, one of the two remaining unbeaten teams in the NFL this season, which is really interesting to me. Do um, you think they stay unbeaten? I do because I like them at home. Um, you know, everybody's. You know, I think the big thing is 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 Josh Norman going to shadow Tyreek Hill? I don't think Tyreek Hill's own shadow can keep up with him sometimes. <laughs> so I, I don't see it happening because if they feel like he's getting too much attention as a receiver, what do they do? They line him up in the backfield right. and give him carries. Um, Albert Wilson is hurt. He was their main, or, and DeAnthony Thomas are hurt. That's their main punt and kick returner. You might see. Tyree Kill back there on a couple of a right. couple more punts this game, so I let I I'm not scared of him. Like no. I said, week one, I think he's matchup proof until further notice. Kareem Hunt, Andy Reid indicated that there's no intention of uh, slowing down his workload. All systems go for the Chiefs. Washington after the game they put together against Oakland last week, I don't see how you bench Kirk. And if you want to throw Chris Thompson in there. I'm fine with it too because we know that the Chiefs have struggled against running backs this year. I think there there are some better guys that you may be able to start over Kirk, but I agree with you. He did look really good last week, and when he's you know it's when he's throwing those deep balls is really when he's most effective and when that offense is most effective. And hopefully we'll be able to see a couple more of those this week. But I think you got to start Thompson for the for the skins, no doubt, and and just bank on you know him, that hot hand just continuing, and hopefully him and Cousins have found something long-lasting yeah for me the way i'm looking at this one is 
you know, besides my uh, my shut it down speech, is that I don't think it's going to be a huge high scoring game. It's not that barn burner. I don't think it's a Falcons Bills kind of right. game. Um, I do think that Tyreek Hill is going to get the ball in interesting ways. Andy Reid, given any extra time, is always a madman. You yep. know, a crazy yeah, we're always, we're always in on that. So giving him some extra time is, is wild. And then the Chiefs defense, even at Arrowhead, I think is, is totally startable in this one. Yeah. Just because I don't think the score is going to be too high. They they make plays. They're, they're a great team. Very yeah. opportunistic. Justin Houston coming back off an injury. He's looked very good this year. He's really keeping me afloat in an IDP league. And if Tyreek Hill uh, gets back there to take some punts. Absolutely. Like yeah. I mean, they're, the Chiefs just look great to me. Even you know, even though you're kind of down on Alex Smith, I'm willing to, to kind of see it out because he's played so well up to this point. I, I can see how the stats may not accumulate this week. But I can also see them accumulating with a, a shovel pass to Kareem Hunt. That you know, that's my fear. They, sh- they shouldn't even count. Yeah, <laughs> but they do. Pass. <laughs> All right, that's gonna wrap it up for us. We will see you guys on the other side. A lot of injury questions coming up this week. Uh, certainly a lot more than what I can remember from last week. So hit us up on Twitter, at RutzFF. We are all connected to that account. We will all be giving our advice uh, throughout the week. So hit us up, at RutzFF. Scott is at WagsFF. Tom is at HillierFF. I'm at WhySoSerious. Get those start-sit questions in. Have us give your uh, give your trade a grade. Whatever you need us for will be available on Twitter. And uh, enjoy the games, guys. It's going to be an interesting week. So uh, we will see you back on Tuesday morning for the recap and until then keep scoring Baby, we were born to